You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to Episode 19, Youth Ministry 101. The number of methods that we use for youth ministry are as plentiful as the number of youth workers and churches we have in our country. And as we think about our approach to ministry, I'm reminded of the conversation that I had with Dr. Andy Root a few episodes ago on how youth ministry should help drive the narrative that students uh, live in and guide their lives around. And we think of the purpose of it, and we think of joy being that purpose. But what is the practical structure? What is uh, our basis for doing youth ministry? Uh, The methods can be different, as I mentioned, but our source is the same. So we need to make sure that the process we have for evangelism and discipleship, all of that is rooted in Scripture. So to help me talk about what that process should look like uh, is Dr. Jim Graham. Jim received his Ph.D. in Christian education focusing on youth ministry from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Jim has been involved in youth ministry work for over 30 years. Uh, He has worked with several churches. He has written resources for LifeWay. He has taught at the college level. And one important note is that he was my youth pastor for my junior and senior year of high school. So let's go ahead and hop into that conversation with Jim. Jim, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. For those who don't know you, could you give us a little info about who you are and your background in youth ministry? Sure. Uh, well, I am one of the people that was one of your youth ministers in the course of your growing up. So that's uh, the great connection that I have with you, Jeff. Um, I kind of grew up in the early days of youth ministry myself as a teenager um, and felt led to go into that area of ministry. So uh, served at churches and in different kinds of ministry related, youth ministry related roles for almost 30 years, um, some mega churches, some medium-sized churches, some tiny churches, um, and uh, loved loved all of it, loved doing that, had an opportunity to go uh, back to school kind of in the middle of my uh, church career and uh, earned, earned a doctorate at New Orleans Seminary and uh, did some publishing for a little while and then have been back in youth ministry until about a year ago. Um, and waiting on the Lord's next step at this point. Um, And so uh, just seeking the Lord and working a little bit, doing some tent making work and, and uh, looking for what God's going to open in the future. Very cool, man. Very cool. Uh, Well, as I mentioned in the intro, we'll be talking about a biblical process for youth ministry. Uh, If you work in a local church youth ministry, then you likely have a discipleship process that's carried out through small groups, Bible study curriculum, other programming, 
Uh, it's certainly beneficial, especially especially for smaller churches and youth ministries, to adapt as needed based on who is in your ministry. However, no matter the size of your church, uh, we all need a biblically founded process and benchmarks to help us measure our output and effectiveness. Uh, are we making good disciples? What qualifies as a good disciple? And what should students know before they graduate? Uh, Jim, while we discuss... We're going to provide an outline for this process, so we'll be kind of breaking that down. And as we start, uh, can you explain your own process in crafting this throughout your practical ministry experience, research in your higher ed studies, and your own personal time in the Word? Yeah, well, um, like I said, kind of growing up, and I, I grew up in Baptist uh, circles, uh, there was a time, I think, Jeff, in the United States where denominations would pro- produce programs. And it was like, here's what your youth ministry is. You do these various programs. And uh, I had the opportunity to uh, go and serve with a guy named Roger Glidewell, who's with Global Youth Ministries um, now out of Georgia. And that was right out of seminary. And so I had all that kind of traditional teaching. And then I went and worked for a guy who was a real visionary on how things went. And he uh, began to say, well, what, but what is our purpose? Not what's the program, but what is our purpose? And, um, in that little window of time, also things like the purpose driven church, purpose driven youth ministry, those things began to come uh, out and began to read those. And so the way I think about it kind of coalesces all that together to say, you know, I think the programs were trying to fulfill a purpose, but if the programs don't work anymore, Let's let's be sure we have our purposes pretty solid, and let's make sure they're biblical. So my my framework of thinking is from probably the easiest verse to use is the Great Commission, um, that that where Jesus says, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we we see in the this great commission that we call it, that we are to go and baptize. So there's an evangelism component, but there's also the goal, make disciples. And for most of us, there's tension in that. It's like, well, are we about evangelism or about, you know, are we reaching new people or are we deepening people? Um, And Andy Stanley uh, preached uh, uh, a sermon or did a talk a while back, and and you just talked about the tensions that you don't want to resolve, things that need to stay in place um, in order for us to do ministry well. And so that's kind of the the framework. And so for, I think I can describe it for your your listeners. If they'll just take like a blank sheet of paper, fold it in half the long way or the hot dog way, you know, and then open it, fold it the – short way, so hamburger, um, you're going to end up with a piece of paper that's kind of, so it has four lines, one from top to bottom and, and one from side to side across the middle. And if at the top in the middle, you write the word evangelism, and if at the bottom in the middle, you write discipleship, you have this spectrum then from the top of evangelism down to discipleship. And then if on the left side of the paper, um, where that creases, you write in and on the right side of the paper, right out. So now you have this kind of matrix of four boxes. And one says, we need to be about evangelism, go evangelism outside of the church. We need to be about evangelism 
inside the church. That would be kind of across the page, moving from right to left. Come down, and we're inside the church with the disciple-making process, right? And then you go to the last box, which is the bottom right, and it's discipleship outside of the church. And that seems kind of weird, but if you think about it, when Jesus called his disciples to him, they were with him for a while, and then he began to send them out two by two. And then, you know, first it was the 12 then the 72. And ultimately, all of us now go and make disciples. And so for me, Jeff, this is a biblical process. It says we start with evangelism where we're thinking about reaching students outside of the church. We're seeking to move them still in the early phases of Christianity, still in that, like the beginning spectrum of evangelism and moving toward discipleship. So we're, we're going to move them. We want to move them into the relationships of the church and into the uh, early steps of faith then, but we want them to move from there. We want them to move into a more committed discipleship, a growing process, a deepening process for them. And it's only going to be able to get so deep. We'll talk about that a little bit because there's only so much you can learn before you graduate from a high from you know from high school and kind of get out of youth ministry. But there still needs to be, in my estimation, in youth ministry something that sends them out back out of the church with a discipleship function. That is, how do I serve back in my community? How do I, um, in fact, begin to make that circle again with somebody. So I'm not just a disciple. I am a disciple maker. I'm going to share my faith with my friends, uh, with people I know from school, from the teams I'm on, all those kind of things, and seek to lead someone to Christ and then help them begin to go through this process as well. So that's kind of the general framework that I've been using um, really at any church. It didn't matter what size it was. The framework lets me think about what am I doing what is, how are we going to be able to accomplish that and begin to, and, and how are we going to accomplish that through students? Um, I love my, my job title has never been minister of students or, you know, youth minister. It's always been minister with students. And that's been a very intentional choice on my behalf when I got hired to say, I am, I am coming alongside of these kids and I want to engage them in a process that creates uh, a ministry in in them that helps them develop their own uh, opportunities and take on ministry. Yeah, man, that's great. That's great. And uh, listeners, you will notice in the show notes that I will have um, a graphic and a PDF of the diagram and the instructions and the outline that Jim has laid out and that we're going to talk about here. That way you can kind of have this and follow along with us as you listen to this episode and you can replicate it in your own time with your own leaders to think about is our youth ministry uh, biblically based and do we know the process? Uh, Yeah, that idea of and that that tension that you brought up from just looking at it in scripture from people like Andy Stanley and others saying there's this this tension here and I know um, certain youth ministries or churches overall, they make their mission and vision all about reaching the lost and evangelism. And there are others that pride themselves on uh, solid Bible teaching and discipleship and establishing the marks of a disciple and really growing deep. Um, And it shouldn't be 
either or. Um, a lot of things in life, uh, especially the Christian life, call us to sit in the middle, and in the middle is where the tension is. It's also where we try and find balance, and it's never great to be all the way to one side of an extreme. Um, the only case that that is good is if you are with Jesus, because without Jesus, we have nothing. But everything in, in life requires a big picture, 30,000 foot view. And we really need to think about uh, who is our audience, who is in our congregation, uh, who do our students recognize themselves to be, what are their, what are their spiritual gifts? And we're going to get into that in, in a little bit. Um, and then be able to take who's in your ministry and purposefully guide them through. But this outline is great because you can get as big or down to details and make things really specific within this framework as much as you want for your own ministry. And so, like we've said, it doesn't really matter about size. You can take this and apply it to whatever your ministry context is, even if it's a parachurch ministry. If you care about bringing people to Jesus, you know, what are you sharing as far as a witness and evangelism, but also how are you fulfilling the Great Commission? And as you make disciples, making sure that they can also go and make disciples. Yeah, Jeff, I think that's, to me, that's what makes it better than a program that, you know, some office somewhere hands it down to you. There, it's, it's think about this, pray about it, figure out, you know, what you have uh, in your, like you just mentioned, what's, what are your kids like? What is your community like? Uh, you and I both know a guy that just, you know, he looked at, this was years ago, but like skateboarding was becoming a craze. It's we'll give him props, Jeremy Carlton. You'll probably have him on the podcast. Oh one yeah, day. for sure. You know? And Jeremy just looked. He said we were out in Phoenix, and he said, "Man, the city built these skateboard parks, and all these kids go hang out. Let's go do something." And he just so he took that evangelism framework. He said, "It's not it's not big. It's not thousands of kids." But he went and he found a few guys and a couple of girls that love skateboarding. He would sit down in the park. He, he made a club. He called it finitude. And to be in the club, all you had to do was show up, I think like two or three weeks in a row. And then you got a t-shirt and he would take pictures and he would give the kids pictures of themselves skating. And he, so he'd gather them just for a little time. It's almost like a backyard Bible club. I know you remember this because you, you oh, went yeah. with him and helped him. And it was just like, Hey, we're going to just tell a one story about Jesus let you know that he loves you, he cares about you. And if you have anything you need, you know, he'd ask for prayer requests and that began to open that little spiritual door. And then the kids would just go and skate. And all he did from that point on was like, give them props for what they were doing and take pictures of it. Hey, come back next week. I'll have your, your photo. And we would, you know, and that was, man, that was just an investment in a group and kids came to know Christ through that, you know, do we need that, you know, where I live today? No, kids aren't skating anymore and that resource isn't there. So that's what I, that's why I want to encourage your listeners to just be, look, you don't have to get overwhelmed in it. Just take a breath and look at it and say, how can we reach out? How do we connect kids into the life of the church? What is the door to get them from out in the community into the church? And then how do we help them grow up 
and then not just stick, man. That's you, you mentioned it. You know, sitting at the bottom there of that thing and just saying, "Well, we're all about evangelism." In that bottom left corner, I mean, a uh, discipleship. We're in. We're in this holy huddle. It's like, man, look at what Jesus did. He did not leave his guys in a holy huddle. He sent them out. He said, "Look, for this to stick in you, that's what I think he was doing. For Jesus to say the teaching, my teaching is going to be solidified in you when you go tell that story to others." You know, you had Andrew on here a couple weeks ago. When you tell that story to others, it not only affects them, but it cements it with you. And so, um, but how are you going to do it? Freedom, freedom, do it, joy, and yet don't do it haphazardly because you're not going to produce a disciple. You're just going to do whatever the next big, cool thing is. And yeah. that's not going to help them ultimately grow the way we want them to grow. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that narrative driving experience, you know, what, what is your perspective on where God has placed you, how he has gifted you um, and who he, he can use that's around you um, mm-hmm. to not only uh, present you with opportunities to tell them about Jesus and show them love, but also, you know, as multiple examples that we see and talk about and hear about, on this podcast and others is the way you grow is by teaching what you know, right? It's, uh, it's, it's stop. You stop being a sponge and you start being a pitcher. You know, you really need to really pour out. And, and that pitcher analogy is great because we talk about, you know, out of the overflow of your heart, of the blessings of, you know, that God loves you, cherishes you and how he's blessed you to be able to share that authentically and joyfully with others while being able to narrow in on a specific context like skateboarding, like volleyball, like a big one right now is online gaming. There are youth Mm -hmm. pastors and churches that say, Hey, we're going to be on this platform uh, on, on this game for an hour every Thursday or every Tuesday, come and join us. And then the uh, youth pastor has a five minute Devo on, on zoom or on Instagram live or something like that. And being able just to be where the students are already at and be able right. to go be alongside them, right? I, l- I love how you crafted that. Not necessarily over them, even though you are a spiritual authority, but to be with them. Because if we're all believers alike, no matter our age, no matter the season of life, if we're moving together toward Christ, then there is value in saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm a little further down the experience path and lifeway path than you, but we're still walking alongside each other because there isn't a finish line until Jesus comes back. You, you still grow, you still mature. You don't all of a sudden stop maturing or stop learning and say, well, now I know everything and now I'm an expert in everything, which, which, you know, Google has made us think that, um, but we're always growing and maturing. And a lot of that has to start taking place in a different way when we get to a certain level because when you teach, you have to have humility. We have to be able to realize, you know, uh, for those who have experienced any kind of higher education, it's not necessarily that, man, my, my bank of knowledge is huge. It kind of remains the same and grows in proportion, but you realize what you don't know, and it mm-hmm. grows this big, right? There's right, an intellectual right. humility about how we have to approach Look, there's going to be questions that students will ask. And mm-hmm. students, when your friends ask you questions, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. That's you being authentic and saying, you know, I'm not really sure. And we think that 
if someone asks us a question for a successful disciple, then we have to know the answer. And that's not true because we're learning altogether. And if you are in the context of a relationship with someone, right, Jeremy, um, you with different ministries and just about everyone who is listening, you have established relationships with students, with families. And so they know you and they trust you and you're moving alongside them. And if we prescribe something like a doctor and tear off the note and say, here, just do this and you'll be a disciple. It's like, no, it's meant to be in community, right? You, you, right. you can have a plan, a program, but the program should be based on the purpose. And that purpose includes the picture of the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, which is not just one or one local church, but a global, uh, as the Nicene Creed says, uh, a, the Catholic apostolic church. It's all of us. It's the history of Christendom. And we're moving toward the same goal of being more and more like Jesus. And so a, a breakdown like this gives you a big picture, not just so you can make it for your ministry, but it reminds us of our history, why we're mm-hmm. here and the purpose of the church from the very beginning. So, yeah, yeah I really like that. Um, so as we go down the uh, uh, process here, right, we talk about people and you can't do it um, alone, right? And I remember this illustration. You, you did it at least twice that I can remember when I was in high school. And so thinking about how many basketballs can you carry? And uh, there were some people who are really good at spinning basketballs. And, you know, I think we watched a world record guy, a guy who was spinning like 13 basketballs. He had this apparatus where he's spinning them on his fingers and putting them on his head and stuff. Um, but we're not meant to do things alone. And uh, I've done exercises as part of leadership um, and investment where you're given two marbles, I think, maybe three marbles, and there's a bunch of jars around a table. And there are programs or there are things that you invest your, your time in. And there are way more jars than you have marbles. And everyone's supposed to go around and put the marble in where they think they want to invest the most time. And you step back and look where you placed it and you realize I need to prioritize things. You know, I need to be able to know um, what I can really give my time to and really what I can't because I'm just giving 10% everywhere. Uh, I'm not uh, giving a hundred percent in the areas where I think God has placed me. And so we need each other. Right. And so uh, act six uh, shows us the wisdom of having a team. Um, First Corinthians 12 Uh, among others, uh, talks about spiritual gifts. And the gifts aren't just for yourself. They're for the church. They're for the benefit of others intentionally. Um, And at the same time, we need training. uh, We need development. Um, And uh, you brought up uh, Andy Stanley and uh, speakers like him and John Acuff and others who talk about um, how to work in Christian or non-Christian spheres, talk about strengths and weaknesses and how uh, we can uh, excel in our strengths and delegate our weaknesses uh, to people who have those qualities as their strengths. Because as For sure. as great as people in ministry are, um, they can't be Superman or Superwoman and be able to do everything. Um, so let's put this into, into two questions as far as a ministry team. Uh, the first question being, thinking of that scriptural approach and we're in this together and we need more people. 
Jim, what are some great ways to delegate and work as a diverse ministry team, especially in youth? Well, um, I think, you know, you talked about humility and, and education, and I think there's a humility in um, doing ministry uh, in general, because what's going to happen is someone's going to be disappointed in you. No, no matter how great you're doing, someone's going to have an issue, and it's not going to take you long to figure out, as you mentioned. You can't do it all. In fact, you're not even good at doing it all. And so to me, you know, the scriptures uh, talk about how God gave certain offices of leadership into the church, you know, for the purpose of building up God's people for them to do the work of the ministry. And so throughout this little thread of our discussion today um, is, has been that approach for me as a youth minister. So I would say um, we, we continue to build on the illustration of Jeremy and the skateboard ministry. There was a young man named Jonathan that was a part of that crew. Um, Jonathan would be proud to say he was an outlier. He was, you know, big, tall, colored mohawk kind of thing along, you know, he definitely stood out in a crowd, but skating was his deal. And so to have the humility to say, you know, if I'm going to do a skateboard ministry, even if I know a little bit about it, Jonathan knows more about it than I do. Okay, he's a junior in high school. Big deal. Partner up with that guy, right, and come alongside of him. And so that's been my perspective to say, hey, kids can do these things. Students can do these things. Adults can do these things. What do they love to do? And then let them go with it. So uh, I I like planning and designing games and all that kind of stuff, but there are people that so much like it's just their passion. Uh, in fact, you mentioned Andy. Andy Andy talks about uh, one time he goes, you know, you'll find that this is just it's insane. The thing that you hate to do, somebody loves to do. That's right. You know, yeah. and so just trying to find the person who who loves to do uh, what you struggle to do. Um, so. That's why I, that's what I think we want to do is we just we want to we want to look around and we want to say who is here what are they what are they, what can they contribute what do they like to do and then find the way for them to be able to do that um, I I so I've had you know senior adults as Sunday school teachers because they love kids. I mean, they loved the kids and they were good teachers. They were faithful. They understood how important it was to be faithful. That's fantastic. And then um, not only high school students, but college. I love bringing college students in to be involved in the youth ministry because there's still a lot of them, especially if they grew up in the church, they're trying to figure out, well, where do I fit in the church anymore anyway? And so we give them a little bit of a leadership role. It allows them to stay kind of connected to the youth group as they're kind of stretching out of that. And at the same time, my goodness, what they will do because they have the time and the energy and the passion to do it. So, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you get a little bit older, you start having kids and 
you know, meeting somebody at Sonic at 1030 at night gets to be a little bit of a stretch in our lives. I mean, we just admit that, but we've got causes like, oh, 1030, man, it's a little early. Can we wait till 11? Because I need to finish studying. And and they'll go meet a kid or two and do some, do just a conversation, a kid in crisis, whatever. And so I really think the, the goal there is to know, hey, God has put the people in our local church or in our local ministry, he's put people around us. They all have those gifts, like you mentioned. They all have those abilities. How can I connect those with what we're doing? And Or do they even have a gift that would bring us something new that we are not doing? But, man, they would take this to the next level and, and make something out of it. And I've seen that over the years in so many kind of different ways of videography, of, of uh, hunting, you know, or going shooting rifles and stuff, which is, you know, that's not my thing, but I know guys that have taken their, you know, Sunday school leaders or discipleship guys that have gone, Hey, yeah, I'm going to take my guys out to the range. I'm going to, you know, and, and most of those kids, it was a first time ever, right. To do something like that. Well, that experience builds the relationship between the, leader, the adult, whoever that is, whatever age they are, and the student that then, again, goes back to what you're talking about. It's just, hey, we've done this together. We have a relationship. And because because of that relationship, then I can open up to you and we can talk about spiritual matters and really, you know, go somewhere with that. Um, and so it's it's all connected. I think the deal is just keep your eyes open and look look for folks and what they do well. and 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 then even then delegate that down delegate that down. Uh, when I was in large churches, there was no way that I could recruit all of the leadership that was needed for all the things we were doing. I, uh, I served in two different churches that had two or three Sunday school hours. And so we're talking, uh, you know, 20 different Sunday school class groups, um, which might have five to six leaders in each one of those groups. I can't recruit 120 people. So I find somebody that, that feels gifted at leading in that small, leading one class, one, one group. We'd call them a department, whatever your background is. We call, you're the department leader and you recruit all the teachers and all the leaders that you need for your team. Well, now it's broken down into, you know, every one of those groups has their own leadership team and they develop that, those relationships and the goal of their ministry, whatever it is, if it's discipleship or evangelism or Bible teaching or whatever it is, they've got that together and they can just run with it, you know, and all we then have to do is support those leadership, support those leaders and encourage them and thank them. And um, it's, it's, that's to me the joy of it. And I really think that's biblical. Again, I think that's what God wants us to do is not be the one up front, not be the one doing all of it, but be the one looking for God's gifts and abilities in people and then recruiting them to do that and then delegating, giving them freedom. I, I like to teach, but I rarely teach. Uh, you know that. I don't do that. I, I let other people do it because I know it builds them. And it helps them feel confident in their own ministry. So that's, that's kind of my take on it is, is just look for the gifts, recruit those people to those gifts and turn them loose, but support them, trust them. Don't take it back from them. Let them do their thing. Yeah. Solid stuff, man. And yeah, this, you, what you said at the end of uh, letting other people do it, even if you're good at it and you like to do it. Um, you know, I shared on another podcast that I was a guest on when they were asking me about my own 
leadership development. Um, you know, it was um, on a Wednesday night uh, at your house <laughs> where we had our, that's where our uh, Wednesday night group is if you went to high school in these, in this area. And uh, I remember being part of the student leadership team that was pretty shortly after I decided that, you know, I want to start looking into youth ministry. And I gave a talk about uh, Jesus walking on the water and um, yeah, and just the freedom as a student, as a teenager who had no experience doing it, except maybe helping out with second grade VBS or something. Um, right. And to be able to really own that and say, you know what, you're going to fail and you're going to learn from that. And you need to go out and experience that and do that. And, uh, you know, and another, another thing you highlighted uh, as the guy or the girl, if you're in charge, you need a team, not just because of strengths and weaknesses, but also, man, volunteers in youth ministry, that's the lifeblood. Um, right. It is really hard, um, especially since one person doesn't have all the, all the strengths that they need. You know, one person might be a solid youth pastor, but um, there are going to be certain students naturally based on gender, based on interests that they're going to connect to better than others. So it doesn't mean that they care about them more or less. It just means that there's a more natural connection. And so to find someone, kind of like you said, and say, you're the department head for ninth grade, for seventh grade, for 11th grade, you know, you're the person. And so in that department, you can find people to come alongside you who can help with these students and these students. So this can be a really tight knit community with leaders who are excited to be here, who are passionate about the age group and the students that are in their group. And yeah, we really need a, a big team. And uh, we pretty much uh, kind of already, already answered the uh, second question, but I know that people listening who are saying I'm the lone wolf. I'm the only person on staff and I don't even have any leaders. I have maybe a parent or, or two who will stand in the back of the room or will come be a supervisor when we have a fun event on campus or something, but I'm by myself. And so I need to find people around me who can help. How can I find people? And I think you answered it when you said, you don't really look for the people first. You look for the gift and passion first. You say, huh, they seem to be really passionate or know a lot or have a lot of experience about that. I wonder if they'd be interested in passing that along or getting others excited about it. And then you approach them and you present things to them. But we see the gifts of people all around us. And even if they think, well, I don't really want to teach with youth. I don't have time. I don't have the skills. Yeah, but you're you're great at skating. You're great at woodworking. You're great mm -hmm. at whatever it is. And so to be able to use that and say, how can you use that, what God has gifted you with, along with your abilities to teach and to help people learn, which is very much at the core of making disciples, then how can you use what God has gifted you with to be able to invest in the next generation? Because especially as youth workers, we're on the front line of a huge piece of what the church should be doing, and that's replacing ourselves. We need to be able to look at to who's younger and say, who's going to be in these roles in 20 years, in 30 years? It's going to be the people who are in our classrooms right now. What are we teaching them about, about the value of the church, right? Is our ministry just a silo over here going through a process, or are we just small part of the bigger church and do they have a good connection mm -hmm. to the overall church body and 
Um, and when you're connected to the church overall and you get intergenerational um, experience and mentorship with Bible study teachers, with mentors, uh, with other people, with coaches, um, then you get to really experience and see, oh, I guess this is kind of what it's like uh, when I get older and these are the kind of roles I can expect. And it really helps them grow and expand their knowledge. And so I kind of, uh, we're kind of going to go down that, that road um, of what should a student learn and know before they graduate, right? There's only so much yeah. room up there. Uh, by the time the, by the time students graduate high school, their brains are still developing for another seven or eight years. So mm-hmm. um, really, what, what are the main things that we need to be able to focus on um, and some main methods of how to address big questions or topics that we don't have a party line answer for. We don't just have a short answer for. We have to be able to think about it. So it's important to know, hey, these are the, these are the basics of my faith the core of Christianity and the history of it. And also if someone asks me a question, do I just need to memorize an answer or do I need to learn a process of how to think about it and look at scripture, read it in a certain method to uh, be able to understand and apply what it says for my life, right? How can I take this um, core piece of information and have it adapt and mold and grow as I do? So, yeah. Yeah. So let me do this real quick. I'll do this quick. Let me back up a little bit to the finding people thing. Cause I do have a couple of thoughts that I, uh, you said something that I think is a, um, so, something a lot of youth ministers do that really actually undercuts them getting help. And that is parents are interested in helping their kids. I, I, I think we need to, to engage that, awareness more than we do. Yes, they are busy, but they're busy primarily trying to figure out how to help their kids get everything done. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you recruit them, if you recruit a parent to just stand in the back of the room or to be the disciplinarian, you've really recruited them to a non-relationship. There's not value in that to that parent. So, so even again, let's go back to that thing. What can they do that contributes to it? And I'll give you an example. I have a lady that she didn't really, uh, actually she would teach Sunday school on Sunday morning, but she would come on Wednesday night and she said, look, I don't have that much time, but I want to be there. I want to be there with the kids. What can I do? She made grilled cheese sandwiches. We got a couple of flat skillets. She made grilled cheese sandwiches. So every time we'd start our meeting and we'd have a snack break. And so while we were you know, playing games and doing all that, whatever we were doing for our activity, she was getting sandwiches ready. Jeff, I'm going to tell you that that was important to her. That was, that that was important to the kids. They saw that they visited, they would go in and talk, you know, while they're eating, they're talking with her and all that kind of stuff. And so um, even there, don't, you know, just don't waste someone's time, carve out opportunities for them to do things. Uh, our, our college kids that helped with our youth ministry and our adults had distinctly different roles. In fact, I would say college students, you're not allowed in, let's say on Sunday morning, you're, you, you're the, they can call you to substitute to be a Sunday school, Sunday school teacher, but you're not allowed in there otherwise. Why? Because that adult has that responsibility. They're building that relationship. You've got your space. They've got theirs together. It's a, you know, we're not competing with one another, but we are allowing one another to use our gifts and our abilities to build that relationship. So just 
yes, you when you get a, a resource like a parent or you know a single adult, somebody is willing to help you. Don't like like use it. Don't waste it. And teach them. If you need to teach them to teach, if you need to teach them, you be the game leader. Here's how you lead a game. Or you need to be registration. You remember, I was really always big on that. Is like when kids came, I wanted to be sure we captured their information. So if they were a guest, we could follow up on them. Find something that has real value that that parent or that volunteer can see and make sure they're plugged into that. So, um, so back to uh, your question, which is, how do what do we teach? Um, it's a really good one, Jeff, and it's it's kind of a tough one to answer. But I think we can narrow it down to a few things. God's authority over our life, that He is God. Yeah, and, and that that's so huge. That carries so much weight in so many areas. Um, that the Bible is reliable. Mm -hmm. Man, you're going to get hammered on that. So if as a teenager, I can learn, I don't have to know everything about the Bible, but that I can, that I can trust it. And so for us, that means teaching some, some things like, where did we get the Bible from? You know, that, that certainly helps. Um, I, I hope it helps kids. I think it's amazing when we, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Josh talked about getting in, uh, one of your guests, Josh, uh, talked about getting in a comparative religions course and like all of a sudden learning all this stuff. I'd love to talk about that. Why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every other religious book in the world was written by one person in one time period in one language. You know, and we have 66 books written over a 500 year period or whatever by 30 some odd authors. I'm Somebody out there knows the real numbers. I'm just kind of off the top of my head trying to remember. I just, what kind of reliability is that? You know, it's a strong book. It has changed people's lives for thousands of years. Um, and it has a credibility that, that no other book in the world has. So I want to come out of my youth group knowing God's in control. His word is reliable. And then... Um, some some of the basic processes of the Christian faith. I, you know, how do I share my faith? How do I pray? How do I read the Bible confidently for my myself? And I know how to do that. Um, and then probably more of to your point, like, so where do I go for questions? Where do I go to get help? What are what are some resources? And again, to it's some of those are the relationships you have. You can go back to your youth ministry, you can go back to your Sunday school teacher, but also we can introduce them. We're, gosh, we're so fortunate to live in a world where you can say, here's all these online resources that will help you learn more, find answers, you know, and, um, and help them to know, you know, hey, you don't need to know it all, but you can find answers. It's there. So that's kind of... Um, there's probably a couple other things I would put in there, but, but my, my strongest things have always been just that, you know, God and, and that he's the, he's the King. He's the authority. He's the ruler. He's our Lord through Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. Um, and, and to love him, to trust his word and to love people. It's just, uh, if you got those three things and all the other stuff that's going to, going to come out, uh, will be great. Um, Real quick illustration of that. 
a long time ago, I remember hearing a, a guy named Chris Elkins uh, who had been involved in uh, the Moonies Unification Church. So that's definitely a long time ago. Uh, but he said that uh, uh, one of the things that he did as, as he was growing up is he learned to be a bank teller. And he said he went to teller school and all week long they talked about counterfeit dollar bills. All week long they counted real money. And it wasn't until Friday that they introduced our fake bills into the batches that they were counting every day. And he said after four days of touching the real thing over and over again, the counterfeit stuck out. You could feel it. And that's always, I think that's our best thing is over and over again, introduce kids to an authentic faith, to an authentic community in Christ and to truth, the truth of scripture, the truth of how that brings light to the world and then when they encounter stuff they've never heard of before, they'll have that orientation point to to critique or think critically, uh, or at least to be aware of uh, the other things that are out there. Yeah, solid, man. That's a really great answer. Um, and that's really what I would hope a lot of people um, would answer uh, is, you know, we can make a bullet point list and certain benchmarks, which which are super valuable, and they're valuable mainly in the context of um, conversation, dialogue, relationship building with others. Because as we talk with others, others share our faith with others, and really we're able to more fully understand uh, our own faith. Right when we get to know people of different faiths from different backgrounds, then we can say man, you know, I think uh, Jesus has more to offer. And now I can kind of see that more clearly. And um, yeah, the uh, best method uh, of really growing your faith, I think, is asking better and better questions and not being satisfied with the right answer and then moving on, right? I I left seminary with 10,000 more questions than I had going in. But also, my perspective and affirmation of God's presence, his power, his mm-hmm. sovereignty was so affirmed by uh, lots of things that I didn't know and I still don't know and I can't comprehend because I am a finite. Uh, we are in finitude to bring it back to Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> we uh, cannot know everything, but right. there are so many important core things that we can know. And just as this outline of purpose overall uh, that, that we've talked about, you know, those core things, um, learning about God's character, theology proper, if you go to seminary, uh, learning about the, rel- the reliability of God's word, you know, and really thinking about how do I answer questions through my own personal faith experience, knowing who God is and looking at scripture you're never going to run out of uh, information, thoughts, realizations, God revealing himself in a myriad of ways that most of which we can't anticipate yet. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch God work. And especially when we have times of suffering, whether it's as a leader and we're saying, man, I can't find a team around me to help out. You have students who are going through hardship be able to point them to the source of not just truth, but life itself and be able to say, you are priceless because you have a creator who knew you before you even existed and 
knew at that time that Jesus was not plan B. He was plan A, that you were worth the life of his son on a cross. And to be able to go through scripture, look at um, who God is, how he purposed his creation, and how restoration is coming, how we have hope in Christ and Christ alone. And Mm -hmm. you can get excited about those two or three core things, like you mentioned. Um, Yes, you can extrapolate it into you know, here are the seven points of our doctrine. A lot of church websites have what we believe as a link and you can go through and read those things. But man, when it comes down to the sources of all of that, who God is, his written word, and the Holy Spirit that he has sealed us with, if we, if we have right. trusted Christ for salvation, um, that knows the inner workings and thoughts of God um, and to be able to have all of that as the source it's a fountain that never runs dry and it's a, a a thing of beauty for us to be able to stand back and look at, but also it's fuel for us to move forward wherever we are in our season of life, our generation, our education, our abilities or talents. When you're rooted in the source, then God can do miraculous things and it'll be miraculous because they will be very evident that, hey, based on what I can do and that I know, there's no way that could have happened. God showed up. And it's mm-hmm. a really cool thing to have youth workers training the next generation with that outlook. That way um, we can take the blinders off and really look at the periphery and say, man, God is working in all these places around me. I never thought about it until I started asking bigger and better questions. And yeah, I don't know this and this and this, but man, I'm more firm that he's sovereign over it all because there's no way that I can be. So Yeah, absolutely. Very cool, man. Uh, well, Jim, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Man, I really appreciate it. You are welcome back anytime. Uh, definitely praying for you and your family uh, during this COVID era. I'm glad that the hurricane missed you guys in the Houston area. We're certainly praying for the people in Louisiana, uh, who are being affected by Hurricane Laura. And man, I'll be praying that God continues to use you and your gifts and your abilities to help point the next generation to Jesus. Thanks a lot, Jim. Good to see you. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Dr. Jim Graham for joining me. Uh, I have included his outline in the show notes. So as you share this episode, you can use those notes and that resource to be able to check your own biblical process of your youth ministry structure. If you haven't already, I encourage you to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you stream it. And in addition to traditional platforms, you can also hear the podcast on Eternity Ready Radio every Monday night at 6 Central. We have a new Youth Ministry Maverick website. You can check that out at youthministrymaverick.com see more about the podcast, how you can support the podcast by getting some swag at the Youth Ministry Maverick apparel store and other ways that you can help us as we help those who are investing in the next generation. Thanks again for listening and until next time, adios.